thank you so much, Brother Terry. Thank you, choir, for singing, and thank all of you for taking part in our worship service this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 142. Psalm 142. We're going to look at Psalm 142, and then we'll look at Luke 16 here in just a few minutes. Perhaps two familiar passages, one verse in Psalm 142, and then Luke 16, beginning with verse 19 and following. This morning, I want to continue a sermon series on mission with God. And this morning, I'm going to be sharing a sermon that I've just simply entitled, Caring for People Without, Who Are Without Christ. Caring for People Who Are Without Christ. Psalm 142, verse 4. And then we'll look at Luke 16, verse 19. Psalm 142, verse 4. This is David speaking. I looked on my right hand, and behold, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Let's look at that again. I looked on my right hand. Now, David's hiding out in a cave. He's running from Saul. He's perhaps at one of the lowest points in his life. He really needs someone to come along and encourage him, someone to help him. And he, all of a sudden, the, the friends that he'd had when he killed Goliath and everybody surrounded him and shouted out his name, no one was here with David at this time. And so, kind of get the picture of how he must have felt. I looked on my right hand and behold, and beheld. But there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. And then if you would, look to Luke chapter 16. Familiar passage. Luke, Luke 16, and we're just going to read verses 19 through 31. Luke 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass, the beggar died And was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died. He was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great guff fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he, the the rich man, then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they come 
into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, uh, unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Last Sunday we began to turn in our little grow cards. I noticed one on the Lord's Supper table this morning someone has put there. We turned in our grow cards. Grow is an acrostic. God rewards our work. Preparing for to start our outreach, grow outreach. And that grow card is just a simple card where we're committing ourselves to be involved in outreach one Tuesday night a month for approximately two hours for ten months. One Tuesday night a month for ten months for approximately two hours. To kind of get it down a little more where we can understand it, that's only ten nights out of 365. That's only 30 hours if we stay three hours, usually we, we cut loose a little before then. But if we stay three hours, that's only 30 hours in those 10 months or 30 hours out of 8,760 hours per year. So you're saying, I'm going to give 30 hours a year to outreach. That's not a tough commitment to do, friends. It's really not. That's a very easy commitment. Now remember, our, our outreach training begins next Sunday night. Not tonight, but next Sunday night at 5 p.m. We'll meet in here, and I'll teach the adults and the youth, and we'll talk about what it means and how we're to go about as we go out into our community to share the gospel with people that live in our community. And, and then friends, uh, where we work or where we attend school or what have you. So it begins, the training begins next Sunday night at 5 p.m. during discipleship training. And our first night of Grow Outreach is on Tuesday, September the 6th. And that begins the, the Grow Outreach with the G team going out. Four teams, G-R-O-W, the G team, R team, O-W, uh, O team, and the W team. And so once you come on the first Tuesday night, then you won't come back to the next first Tuesday of the month. And so if we go 10 months, you'll have 10 nights of outreach for the whole year. That's not bad. Now, knowing that God's on mission to reach a lost world to himself, knowing that God has chosen and has called individuals, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and even the entire nation Israel to be his instrument of reconciliation, and knowing that God has sent the greatest change agent of all time, the greatest missionary of all time, Jesus Christ, sent Christ into the world that he would reconcile a lost world to himself through his death and through his resurrection. And knowing as Jesus left this earth, he commissioned us as the new Israel, the first Israel failed in the mission of reconciliation. They didn't become the blessing that God wanted them to be to all nations. And God kind of set them aside, and he appointed a new nation, the Gentiles, to carry his message. And as Jesus ascended into heaven, prior to his ascension, he looked at his disciples, 
And he made it a point to let them know that all of those who come after them would be on mission with him and with them to reach a lost world to Jesus. And that's known as the Great Commission. Now, if we're going to accomplish our assigned task, we have to see people as Jesus sees people. Now, let me say that again. If we're going to accomplish what Christ has left us here to do, we've got to see people. We've got to look at people as Jesus saw people. We don't look at, at them as being poor. We don't look at them as being rich. We don't look at them in an in a, uh, uh, envious way. We don't look at them as a drunk. We don't look at them as a prostitute. We don't look at them as an addict. We don't look at them as someone pierced. We don't look at someone, them as someone tattooed. We look at them as Jesus looks at them, as a person who is lost without him as their Savior. That's how we look at people. We look at them as Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd, lost and wandering without hope, without direction, fearful, caught in all the snares of this old world, just sinners in this life, dying, lost, going to hell without a Savior. That's how we're to look at people. Now, we're going to accomplish the mission he's left us to do. That's how we're going to have to look at people, our neighbors, our friends, those colleagues at work, those in our classroom. That's how we look at people. The point is this. Jesus had multitudes, and we have multitudes. Now, the multitudes change, of course, over the years. Their faces change, their names change, their addresses have changed, but their spiritual need is the same, and the method and the solution for them to have peace with God and the peace of God remains the same. No different than when Jesus was on the earth. He had his multitudes, we have our multitudes. The point is, our mission of reconciliation should be stronger now than it's ever been before. Caring people, caring for people who are without Jesus. That's what we're to be. Caring people, caring for people who are without Jesus. Now, I believe this verse in Psalm 142, verse 4, perhaps is one of the saddest verses you'll ever find in the Bible. I looked on my right hand and behold and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, and no man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. In the living Testament, it's translated this way, and I really liked it. I looked for someone to come and help me, and no one would help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Do you know there are people that feel that way today? That no one cares for them? No one cares a single bit for me. People feel that way. And we're going to fulfill the, the commission of Jesus we got to see people like Jesus sees people. The point is, do you care if a person goes to hell? Do you care? Do you care if a person goes to hell? First of all, God cares. John 3.16, familiar passage, 
just simply says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In verse 17, John 3 says this, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That simply tells us that God cares for people, and he doesn't want them to go to hell. I appreciate the choir and our solo singing a few minutes ago about Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem. 2016 years ago and, and locate a stable behind a, a hotel, a town inn. Locate that stable, and among all those farm animals, you're going to find a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And that stable in Bethlehem cries out, it cried out then and it cries out today that God cares that a soul goes to hell. That stable in Bethlehem cries out that God cares. Go to a place outside of Jerusalem, a large hill, a big tall mountain. I've been there, and it is in shape of a skull called Calvary or Golgotha. Go there. That hill is a murder scene of a man that died on the cross. Not just for my sins, but the entire world's sin. Willing to bear the sins of the world. And if you listen, if you really listen, you'll hear a cry come from that hillside, from the one who hung there, and it will say, I care that a soul goes to hell. The cross cares. God cares. A stable in Bethlehem cares. And then I appreciate Terry and singing a few minutes ago about the coming of the Lord Jesus. You know why he hasn't already come? Because he cares about souls going to hell. This long-awaited return of Jesus Christ cries out to everyone, I care. God says, I care. I've not sent my son. Friend, listen. If I'm sure of anything, I'm sure that there's a day coming, and it may be really soon, that Jesus is going to come again. And I know that because he said that. In John 14, 3, a familiar passage, notice what God's Word says in John 14, uh, in John 14, verse 3. He simply says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. There's his promise. And I will receive you unto myself. There's his promise. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be also. Mark it down. The only reason that Jesus hasn't come or returned is because he cares that a sinner goes to hell. The Father cares, cries from Bethlehem, cries from the cross, cries from the delaying of the return of Jesus Christ. All of those are cries saying, I care that a sinner goes to hell. So the Father cares and the Son cares. How do we know that? Christ cares because he left heaven and he came to earth. John 1, or John 1, verse 1 through 3. Notice what the Bible says. 
John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word, notice those. Notice the Word capitalized. Notice, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him not anything made, was made that was made. The point, the Word reveals, you know what, you know what words do? Words reveal to others how we feel in our heart and how we feel in our mind. If I tell you I, I, I love you, I'm expressing that in words, but that's how I feel in my heart and that's how I feel in my mind. I can, I, my wife can, she can know my joy. She can tell my joy. She can know that if I'm sad, she can know if I'm lonely just by words that I use. Words are important. Words reveal to others our hearts and mind. Therefore, Jesus is God's what? God's word. And he's his word because he, is, he reveals something to us. Just like we reveal to people words, with words, our hearts and mind. God reveals something to us through his word, through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 9, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And so a word is just a compound of letters. Just a bunch of letters that, that form a word. It's a compound of letters. And Jesus said, I am Alpha, I'm Omega, the beginning word of the Hebrew alphabet. I'm the last word of the Hebrew alphabet. The point, Jesus is God's last word to mankind. He's the last word. He's the climax of divine revelation. Verse 14, John 1 says, The word was made flesh and dwelt among men, and we beheld his glory. Why did he come? Well, Luke 19.10 says he came because he, he came to seek and to save those that were lost. The point is, Jesus cares if a sinner goes to hell because that's why he came. Not only did he come, what's so neat about it, he mingled with everybody when he did come. You mingle with people. Usually, I have to be careful sometimes standing out in that foyer when we close because some people don't mingle. They shoot out that door, and sometimes I get a hand. Sometimes I grab for one. People are in a hurry. You need to mingle. You need to mingle. Jesus mingled with people. Now, why did he do that? Where he could talk to people, where he could find out where their heart was and what their need was in their life. My wife, she kindly... I know it's aggravating at times because I, I mingle a lot in a restaurant. I work tables a lot in a restaurant. <laughs> I do. She'll tell you. They'll tell you up here at the cafe. I work tables a lot. I mingle. I like to mingle. You'd be surprised what comes from that. <laughs> a lot of reasons you don't have opportunities, you don't mingle. Jesus mingled. He mingled with an adulterous woman at a well. My goodness gracious. Why did he do that, Brother Samuel? Because he cared for her. He mingled with a guy by the name of Zacchaeus, a little short fellow up a tree. Why did he do that? Because he cared for him. He cared if a sinner went to hell. That's why people said in Luke 15, verse 2, this man receives sinners. And right before he died on the cross, he did a little more mingling. In Luke 23, verse 39, listen to what God's word says. Luke 23, verse 39. He says, 
and, and then one of the malefactors which hang railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself in us. But the other answer rebuked him saying, Dost not thou fear God saying that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Listen to what Jesus said. And she just said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He reached out to one more sinner that was lost and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. While he was dying, he had time to reach out to another person. Now why did he do that? Because he cared. Right before he ascended into heaven, he gathered his disciples together and he said something very interesting. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. So God cared for people going to hell, and Jesus cared for people going to hell. And let me say this, and I'm about to finish. The Holy Spirit cared for people also. His Spirit, His Holy Spirit brings about conviction in our lives. John chapter 16, verse 8. And when He'd come, and when He is come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not of me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you shall see me no more. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit cares if a person goes to hell because he came to convict of sin. That means you're a sinner. He came to convict of righteousness. That means Jesus Christ can save you. He came to convict of judgment. You're condemned if you reject Jesus Christ. And the only way a person can come come to Christ is that the Holy Spirit convicts him of sin and of righteousness and judgment. You know you can't be saved any time you want to be. You're saved when the Holy Spirit draws you to Christ. You know, one day, you got, a little, you got a little tap at your heart's door today. Perhaps you've never accepted Christ and you know you need to and God's drawing you here and this is not by accident that you're here. He's pulled you here. That's him drawing you. That's him wooing you. And you hear that little knock, and you've probably heard that five, ten years, twelve years maybe. But one day, the Holy Spirit might withdraw his call from your life. You won't hear that anymore. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit reveals Christ to your heart. And then the Holy Spirit regenerates us. He forgives us. He gives us a a better life. He gives us eternal life in Christ. Now, why is that? Because he cares if a sinner goes to hell. So God cares. Jesus cares. The Holy Spirit cares. And let me mention that heaven cares real quick. Heaven cares. The Bible says there's joy in heaven if one sinner repents. The Bible says... Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Luke 15, verse 10. The point is, we make heaven glad 
when we lead a person to Jesus. Heaven cares, and I'll close with this one. Hell cares if a sinner goes to hell. Hell cares. You realize that? Did you catch that in that verse? Look at Luke 16, verse 19. Luke 16, verse 19 says this. Luke 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Verse 20. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Verse 21. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, more of the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that that beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died and he was buried. So you have a comparison of two lives. One went to heaven and one was just buried. But the Bible tells us that in hell he lifted up his eyes. So he went from earth to hell and and Lazarus went from earth to heaven immediately. There's no purgatory. You just don't hang around somewhere for a while. You go immediately, according to Luke chapter 16. You go then. If you notice during that passage of Scripture, there was a cry from hell. Look down at verse 27 in Luke chapter 16. Verse 27. And then he said, I pray therefore, Father, that's that person in hell, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. Verse 28. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Verse 29. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, they'd repent. He said to him, If they hear not Moses, if they don't hear Sammy, if they don't hear Mike, and if they don't hear Benton, if they don't hear Christian, if they don't hear Brenda and Tommy, if they don't hear Judy, and if they don't hear Rachel and Kyle, if they don't hear you, they're not going to hear. He said, if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Friend, listen. He said, send Lazarus to my house. I've got five brothers, and they need to hear So the cry today from hell, please send someone to my mom, please send someone to my dad, please send someone to my children, my grandparents, my brother or sister, my neighbor, my classmate, please send someone. And Jesus said, no, they've got Sammy and B and Judy and Rachel. They've got you. And if those they leave behind don't hear, then it's, it's our fault that they don't hear. We're to go to our neighborhood, the job place, the marketplace, the school place, the college place, and even hell. The point is, even hell cries out because a sinner goes to hell. So the answer is this. Do you care enough to give 10 nights out of 365? Do you, do you care enough to give 30 hours out of 8,760? Do you care enough to come to discipleship training at 5 o'clock and learn how to go on outreach? Do you care enough to write letters or spend time in a prayer room or visit the homebound or the nursing home or the hospital 
or to write a letter to the newcomers or to guests and be trained to make an intentional evangelistic visit if God leads you to do that. Do you care? Our theme is on mission with God. It's obvious he's on a mission. It's obvious he's called us. Now what we've got to do is commit to that mission. Caring for people who are without Christ. Well, do you, do you care enough to take that little prospect card in front of you and write down some names for people that you feel that never trusted Jesus? Do you care enough to take out little prospect cards and write down some friends' names who are out of church and maybe one, one time knew Christ and was saved, but for whatever reason they just dropped out? Do you care enough? Do you, do you care enough to take this little Grow Rewards card? You can pick them up at the Welcome Center and fill it out and say, Hey, I'll come the first, second, third, fourth, or any Tuesday. You care that you care that much? Caring people. Caring for people who are without Jesus. That's our prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we can come into your presence and for challenging us today through your word. Lord, just allowing us to reflect back in the life of David where he was all by himself going through a very terrible time and he felt that no one cared. We meet people like that every day. Help us stop and mingle. Be a blessing to them. Let them know that we do care. Thank you for each person here today. And, Father, I pray for those who have never trusted Jesus Christ, moms, dads, whomever, that today they would be willing to step forward and say, I want to give my heart and life to, to Christ. I pray that the Holy Spirit today would convict them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Sin that they're a sinner. Righteousness is that they can't be saved without Jesus. And of judgment. If they miss him, they'll miss heaven. I pray today they'll come. And I pray for us as Christians that are here. Speak to our hearts about the commitments that we need to make. I don't know, there's so many that would come to mind today, but primarily today we focused on being willing to be a part of an outreach ministry here at this church. There may be other things that came to mind that we need to come to you and talk to you about. But whatever it is, I pray we'll be led by your spirit. Thank you for saving us. Help us to understand, Lord, that uh, you don't want anyone to go to hell. And that also should be our concern too. In Jesus' name, amen. Terry's going to come and lead us in a hymn.